0: Where fame, culture, and news collides interviews, panel discussions, debates, and good old funny conversations.
1: The Naomi Aislinn Show. I'm going to introduce you to Sabine Daniel. <laughs> I love this girl. <laughs> okay, Sabine Daniel is a host, speaker, social entrepreneur, producer director. She is an honoree of the Nelson Mandela Legacy Award and res- uh, recently won the Premier's Award Prix du Premier ministre. She is not only a reporter and researcher for several French Canadian television companies, such as TFO Media Group. Sabine Daniel hosts her own talk show at Bell Media called Suivez Moi, where she meets social media stars, whether it is a blogger, a Facebook book Twitter, or Instagram personality, or simply the new sensation from YouTube, Sabine discovers the human hidden under the Cyber Glory with candid and warm interviews. This woman is very involved in her community. <laughs> Sabine, Sabine um, also sits on the board of the Montfort Hospital, the tontine Award, and the Centre Espoir Sophie. Uh, she is the chair of Regroupement <laughs> <à Ferfa. laughs> You know why I'm laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Raf is um, uh, has permission. Black women, excellent. Go <laughs> ahead. Fa- uh, and the Franco funny. <laughs> she talk more about <laughs> yes, it. Yes, I will. She edited my notes. <laughs> 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 that's why she is a researcher producer and director well. <laughs> with a mission she has a mission to inform inspire and motivate and entertain people sabin is not only a rising star of a new generation but also a strong voice that reflects the diversity in media this girl is amazing so help me welcome <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> i love this woman Okay, so before I start our <laughs> questions, I have to like, I have to tell her why I love her so much. Um, it's because she is so bold. She is, um, she is the face—a face that we do not see in the media often. And she is pushing through to bring diversity in our media. She is a director, a producer. She is all of the above. She doesn't stop.
0: I try. She doesn't (laughs) stop. So she
1: is such an inspiration to so many women here in our city uh, and abroad. And I think it's just the beginning. I think it's just the beginning <laughs> so I'm super excited for you to be here with us yes. and to inspire other women and other people not just women but anybody mm-hmm. who have a vision or are willing to do something amazing and I can't wait to dive in into your testimony and your whole process so let's go right through I it. hope
0: it's as good as our, the first guest so <laughs> you guys are amazing I'm usually so, in your chair yeah
1: I so know <laughs> so awesome so introduce yourself your background oh where you're God. from oh my so
0: so, I hmm, see. My name is Sabine Danielle. I don't have a, a middle name. Uh, I'm born in Montreal from a Haitian father and a half Dominican mother and Haitian mother. Well, she's half. So um, we moved here 27 years ago. So in t- 1990s in Orleans next to cows. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, it was culture shock for me because, <laughs> you, you know, just like you, I was like in grade six, going in secondaire, un, looking forward to be in high school. And I really didn't want to be in Ottawa. So I really tricked my parents into school. My parents were acad- academics. They absolutely wanted me to be in a private school. So all the, the schools had exam private schools. So I just wrote my name and never did the exam the only school that accepted me was i don't know if you if you take if you go to montreal there's a school called college bourget it's yes. a, it's a private school uh, where you get there's a dorm and i was there for the first year my parents were in ottawa so i was uh, 40 minutes 45 minutes away from montreal and an hour and a half from ottawa so i was really happy <laughs> some of my friends had cars they would come and see me so um but it was also uh uh, eye-opener because uh, being around um, people that had so much money. I was the only black girl in a private school where um, my parents kind of put all their their change and money just to make sure that I had proper, you know, schooling and they, they saw that I really didn't want to be in Ottawa. So when I was there, I, I, I saw people that were 14 years old taking drugs and and it, it was an eye opener. And I was like, you know what? I'm really lucky. My parents like me so much. They're they're putting me in this great school. They're making sure that I'm, I have access to everything. And, you know, sometimes I know they're struggling to probably pay the car or, you know. So I was like, no, I'm not going to get into that. And uh, after one year, I think the stress of being in Ottawa and the change was so drastic from being, um, in Ottawa from Montreal, my parents broke up. My father went back to, to Montreal. And that's funny because we moved from my father. Uh, we so
1: have the same
0: story. <laughs> that's crazy. Literally, yeah?
1: we moved to Ottawa with my father. And, after, and then he left. Yeah. And then we're like,
0: oh, okay, so okay. we're staying. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and not only we stayed. So, the funny part is like when you're young, you have an idea of how your parents operate. So I always knew my mother was the leader and my father was was not necessarily the follower, but they were equals, financially speaking. And when my parents broke up, we literally moved from a house to back to an apartment because I came from a... Very poor neighborhood in Montreal. I didn't even know it was a poor neighborhood until I moved to Ottawa. (laughs) I love my neighborhood. I'm sure people are listening from Montreal, and I'm from Parc Extension, and all my creativity comes from there. Um, All the diversity that I know doesn't come necessarily from Ottawa, but it's definitely from Montreal. So, um, so after one year, my parents split, and we moved back to uh, to an apartment. And we were used to an apartment, but, you know, when you live, the experience of the house, right, even though right, I was right. there on the weekends, um, most of the weekends, because <laughs> I was in Montreal most of the time, um, it was a shock, and I was I was 13 when my parents broke up, 13, 14, and I remember my mother sat me down with Ingrid, my little sister, and she's like, you know what, um, I'm going back to school, and you guys are going to go back to school, but I'm going to do everything to make it happen for you guys, you guys are not gonna miss one thing. But all I want is for you to, for you guys to be out of trouble. And I have to put in context. Bye bye bye. Yeah, I have to put in context. I look similar to what I'm looking like that at 12. I had I was fully <laughs> shaped, so boys were coming in uh, at a very fast rate. And my mother was like, I don't, I don't want. You know what's good for you. If you get in trouble, it will be your trouble, not my trouble. So that was, you know, I, for those who know my, some people know my mother. She's quite direct, but it was interesting to see my mother saying, you know what? I'm going to do everything possible for you to have the best experience, but we have to work together. Right, right. It was not the Haitian mother. Right. It was like, do as I say. Right, right. It was more of a collaboration. And I remember she said it once, and I said to my sister, she's going to go to school, you're going to cook, and I'm going to clean because Ingrid loves to to cook, and I don't like to cook. (laughs) And uh, and basically my mother for five years did her BA in um, nursing, and she was never there. We were home. We had activities. People, guys could, like, at that time, because we had no supervision, well, right. People could have come in and out, but we were strict. we were like, we're not gonna get in trouble, Good. and we never <laughs> got in trouble. And uh, and also, that's when uh, was I, it like
1: the fear of your mother? What? what?
0: Absolutely not. I, I, like, it's funny. Like, I develop my relationship with my mother around that time because she was so open about certain things. Um that we had no choice to trust her. Yeah. You know, and I and and I, I saw the fear, it was the first time I saw her guards down. Yeah. She was like, you know what? I'm alone and I don't have the degree that your father has and I'm going back to school for you guys. So I didn't want to disappoint her. I always said to her, I'm not going to disappoint you. But I, you, you will be the first one to know if something's wrong. But it was hard because I wasn't close with my mom when we came here. Um, I was really close with my dad. And when he left, so we felt like kind of, okay. We're on our own, and I went to Samir Jener, which is not too far from here. Uh, Sami G. Sami G, <laughs> representing. So proud of Sami G. So um, I always knew I wanted to be in the media world. Um, my father was um, an avid, passionate communicator, He wanted to be a TV or radio host as well. He would drag me in every community radio show in Montreal. And at five years old, um, for those who are from Montreal will recognize this place. We were on Saint-Cebert. There was a live radio show. And my father's favorite TV uh, radio host was there and he was like kind of star truck and I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, go talk to him. And I was five. And, and I'm like, I'll go talk to him. And the radio host pushed me on because he's like, Yo, she's she's bubbly. <laughs> so I had my uh, 10 minutes of fame at five years old, and I loved it. I was like, I love this. <laughs> so um when I realized at that time it was something that I really love. It gave me butterflies and I was like telling my par- my parents I want to live that again and again and again. But we have to put in the context my parents just came from Haiti. They don't even know how the 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 system works. works. Okay. Um so for them they're like, okay, she just likes that for now and we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes but it never gone away fire was still in the fire was there so whenever i would see like when i started reading i would see auditions things like that and around seven when i turned seven my uh, godmother got a job on tv she studied communication at lucam and uh, she was the first black woman in tv and a dark skinned woman no offense for light-skinned people (laughs) And uh, I was like, oh, my God, you know, uh, my my godmother is on TV. So I was like, anything's possible. So I was like, told my father. How did she get there? And he's like, I don't I don't know. And because even my father was c- kind of a bit jealous. And one of the if things he wanted, he wanted to be in that, you know, that that medium and working just like her. And seeing her gave me the courage. And I think because I've seen her and 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 also I went to this amazing elementary school in Montreal um, that was uh, recommended by an uh, Italian to my father that work. My, my parents work in a factory like most uh, most Haitian when they came in. So uh, an Italian and he's like oh my god your, your your daughter talks a lot like yeah we don't know what to do she she takes all my energy <laughs> ingrid is a little bit calm he's like there's a there's a art school in uh um, and uh, they have a it, they didn't call it media program but they call it communication program wow even in elementary school An elementary yeah. school and he's like well you know the to get in, you you have to live in Montréal. Uh, and it was like the other side of the track. Right. <laughs> so it was like the rich people to go there. And I remember it was the first bold thing my father did. And he knocked on every door. I shouldn't say that, but he knocked on every door in Montreal and was willing to pay people. To have their address so i could go to that school oh wow yes
1: so he already had sowed that seed into your life oh yeah Yeah. it was
0: it was unlike other like i don't want to quote all haitian parents but i find my parents were haitian but also open to what canada had to offer and they're like if we can't have it we could give it to our kids so they let us be able to be free and to dream And one of the things that I, like my father did, he's like, you know what? I'm going to knock at every door. The first person that, you know, gives, says, yes, I'm giving him, giving them $500. And that's what happened. He gave uh, someone $500 every year for me to go to that special school, in which was amazing. That school literally planted the seed of leadership and arts. I cannot stress, somebody asked me recently, what, how come you're like that? And you've been like that since high school, before I came to, to, uh, to Ottawa. And I was like, I had this, um, when I went to that school, it's called Adgonquet it no longer exists because the program was so expensive and it was a public school, but you had to have an address, like I said. You, it was like une école de quartier, but only accessible to the rich. So again, only black girl. And uh, some some people were Greeks and they did the same thing. They, they knock at doors. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so your father was not the only uh, one. <laughs> he was not the only one. But there was an, a teacher called Madame Wegman. Madame Wegman was a survivor of the Holocaust. Wow. She was physically different. The, the best adjective in, in French would be en femme plantereuse. She was like six feet tall, super elegant, Always like you wouldn't you, you would think that kind of woman would not be married because she was so different. She was a bold, big and beautiful. But she was also very comfortable with who she is. And the first class we had with her because I had her from grade three up until grade six. Um, she showed us her the stamp that she had from Holocaust. She's like, you know what? I was a child that survived the holocaust and i'm so blessed to be in canada and i'm so blessed to be a teacher and i'm gonna share my my knowledge and i was like what the hell is holocaust (laughs) this girl is tattooed with numbers and i'm like i was like you know and i knew it was a special school but i didn't understand it until she shared her story and we read the book the anne frank and i was like oh my god and what was special about this school every friday we had um sorry for the french but we would go to a, a museum or somewhere where they cultivate art and they cultivate uh, creating stuff okay. and uh, madame Wegman and i was like this is this is cool you have school from monday to thursday and friday we're going out and that my third year i really understood that we could change the world literally and grade four was when things were coming together. Um we had does people know the book Caillou? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so listen to this. And I just found out recent like not recently, probably five years ago. So um Madame Wegman wanted us to really enjoy writing. There was a big problem with uh newcomers, kids, couldn't write French okay, at, okay. at that level. And in Quebec, grade six, you have to do the exam from the government. Okay. So she really wanted to really master and, and fell in love with the words and stuff. So Madame Vegman uh, signed up uh, the class for a contest to write a book pour le Salon du Livre. Okay. And we had two students from LUCAM. One of, one of them was the creative Caillou. At that time, she was only a student trying oh, wow. to yes Helene Despiteau and she she was like the mentor that would that would help us uh put together the books, so writing to publishing oh wow so how old were you around that do you grade four, i think 10? yeah think 9 10, 10 no, yeah, 9 10 yeah so that experience i was like oh my god whatever that world is i only remember she went to lucam and i was like i'm going to that university when time whoops <laughs> time will come um the time will come and so we wrote a book all my class wrote a book we we had a launch wow we went to le salon du livre i was sold at the end of the year i was <laughs> like whatever that world is it's my world and uh, i remember elaine despito she's like you know you really like that you really have that idea you have concepts and stuff and i remember my parents got into it and i could see my father was really like communication with his thing and he's an architect but has nothing to do with uh, communication and i'm like i don't want to ever feel that way knowing that you could be good at something but you're doing some completely something opposite it pays the bills but it's not something you're passionate he would help me he would help me do my homework just because he felt like he was oh, like right. a, student, <laughs> a student, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he was
1: living vicariously, yeah, vicariously to you. me.
0: So um, so we published the, the book and that was that was an amazing experience. And in grade six, the year that we decided to move, I won my first prize uh, from the government of Quebec. And it was such a big thing in my family and also for the school because I was a minority and unfortunately I didn't go uh, for different reasons because I don't know my parents probably didn't have the money to go to Quebec City didn't and I remember to be, get the actual prize you mean to actually get the prize okay. yes we had to go to Quebec City and the school was having financial problem because we were doing so many activities Activisa, yeah. exactly so um, you gifted kids are expensive. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, gifted. I think you know what Madame Vegman instilled in me, and in the class, there's other people <laughs> on my Facebook <laughs> that went yeah. to my to, that went to that school. That anything is possible. You have to have the vision. Uh, money shouldn't be an obstacle. It should be. It should make you more creative. So that kind of stayed. Um, when I when I came to Ottawa, uh, the like I said, like you said, it, it was the first years were very, very difficult. <laughs> very stressful. And I think around grade ten, TF4, uh, which is a Television franco-ontarienne, came to uh, Samuel Genet and do did uh, open auditions. And I was like, I want to be on TV, so this <laughs> is great. So I was one of those bold little girls that think, you know. Uh, anything is possible. And I did an audition, and they really liked me, and I've worked with them ever since.
1: Wow. So you still work yeah. for, with for TFO? TFO, and That's And
0: awesome. also, Rogers, at the same time, I could say Rogers opened their doors, um, their doors to do volunteer work. They, they were looking for volunteers. And, and I was like, okay, this is great. This is a great way of practicing and everything. And so I joined... Rogers to Rogers, anything that was related to the media. Right. I did volunteer work, uh, and um, when I turned 16, TFO had this uh, uh, contest where they were looking for reporters, and they were going to pay them, and they were going to give them a camera um, and um, the training to be like a, a full reporter. I was like, I told my mom. I will do anything yeah. if she buys me a camera I needed to practice. So the whole summer I practiced cuz I knew that contest was coming in September and I had my cousin from the states coming in and I'm like we're going to we're we're I'm going to get my mother to buy a camera and we're I'm going to practice all summer so I would go downtown do li- well not live but pre-tape stuff to be comfortable in, around oh, the camera. camera. Okay. So, when the contest started in September, uh, within, I think I I sent my, the deadline was at the end of September. I had sent it two weeks prior, and they were like, whoever that girl is, we want her. And there was a lot of people from Ottawa, and I remember the the guy that picked me is that they told me, honestly, they're like, they wanted a white person. But you were so good. And he said, super, l'écran. And, and that was for Rogers? No, that was for, for TFO. Yeah. And what was sad about it, and that, that's something I wanna share. TFO already knew about me. Right, because you did the things previously. Exactly. And a lot of people were against it. They wanted the white, blonde, blue eyes girl to represent Ottawa because they were they were t- they were taking one person from different region and to represent for the whole year. Yeah. And and, and he he fought for me, literally fought for me. And and I was like, oh my god, this guy doesn't know me. I'm 16, and and I got the job. And I was a reporter for that a show called Volt. Every month I had to do a report, um, like basically do the writing, the cutting, the editing from home. My mother didn't have the tools, right, right. So I would go to Rogers, and I'm like, let's do this, and 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 they wouldn't be allowed to do so but we would do the editing so that's how i got the experience of being in front of the camera and and behind the camera and that's how it started So if we fast forward to now yeah now
1: (laughs) and we let's go to our second question if we fast forward to now what were the hurdles that you had to overcome to get where you are right now Cause it seems like you have a long journey. It seems like it's
0: a long, yeah. Yeah. You have
1: a long journey, yeah. but now like last week you won the <laughs> premier's award. You are a Nelson Mandela honoree. Like what were the hurdles? Uh, hurdles and insecurities that you had to like personal insecurities that you had to
0: face to make sure that you continue the process? So the first one that my friends are, will say and my sister who's watching is definitely, I had uh, I was really insecure about my body. Um, you know, I've always been a little bit round and everything, so on TV, I, could, I couldn't see no one that looked like me, you know? So that was really hard, and I knew I wanted to be in that field. And also, there, were, there was no YouTube, there was no nothing to prepare yourself, so you really had to be creative. So that was one thing that was really difficult for me in high school, because I didn't look like my friend, I was never as slim as my friend, and I wanted to be in TV. And I at that time my my crew of girl one was a model and was traveling the world and she's like you could do it you could do it that always
1: helped to have a model friend yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh no she was good you know what I will tell you that's
1: a full boost of confidence
0: no no but you know what she was amazing I will tell you one thing she taught she she really was. Her name is Carla Benson. She's from Orleans. She won at age 14 a contest at uh, Place uh, uh, Saint-Laurent. And I remember, like, she doesn't look like nothing when we were at school with her uniform. But when I saw her on the runway at Saint-Laurent, because there was a contest every summer, they would pick a model, a local model. She looked bomb. I was like... You know what? She goes in and she does it. She knew her stuff, and one thing that I liked about her that I learned from her is like you have to, like, analyze people that look like you that have the same shape as you. And she was a, a, a fan of Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford. I'm talking '90s stuff, <laughs> and she would analyze literally. She'd be in class and she would make the pause, like everything. She would cut and make sure so by the by like she was discovered at 14 by 16 she was on a show called all the time we would see carla on runways in france and she's from orleans and but i knew from the first day that i met her she wanted to be a model when i saw her on 17 i was like okay
1: 17 magazine
0: magazine yeah so it wasn't i was carla made she was so um, focused on what she loved that she made it happen really quickly for her, yes. herself.
1: Was that like, a, did that inspire you?
0: Definitely, because she wasn't into school, but she knew she was going to be a model. A model. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, she, the way she would operate is like she would know her craft. So when I saw her in a model, it was, she owned it. And that's one thing from her that i learned if you're going to do something go bold you're ready black yeah. you're ready this you're ready that so might as well go go, go all the way but and, going
1: back to the insecurities now yeah. that you know you've won all these awards and actually i could name so much of uh, the awards that you've won yeah. i think on your if you go on the website you'll find a list <laughs> of awards
0: <laughs> So I, you know what i gotta mention that i think people see it like I've won a lot of awards, true, I admit, but it took a long time. It's like, I remember, I, I felt bad for the award that I won this weekend, The and and for some reason, she's like, Sab, you've been working since you're 14. People don't know what you, it's like, it's just happening now. So for some people, it takes five years, two years, it's like 15 years, so.
1: So you've uh, earned, you say like you've earned them. Because you worked hard for him. You've been in the business for a long time. Yeah, well... Do you still feel like... Sometimes
0: I feel like it because people don't know that I work full-time. Not necessarily in that business. Uh, sideways, like, you know, um, I have a BA in journalism and I have a degree from les Collegiale, from Public Relations. So I also was scared to go all the way... In media, because I knew how difficult it was, and when I went to, to to Lucam, they really broke me. They told me, "You're too tall. You're too curvy. Oh yeah." And um, for those who who don't know Lucam, for the pro- journalism program, they only take forty people, wow, only, and usually half of them, pro- uh, half of them graduate, and because I went to La Cité, unlike uh, unlike the our first guest, yeah, okay. La Cité. Prepared me to literally put Lucam down, but because La Cité is ten times more difficult than Lucam. Lucam, the, what's hard to what's hard to do is to get in because there's a lot. C'est très contingenté, um, and La Cité because I was seventeen when I got into the program of PR and journalism. Um, being innocent was easy, being young too, but everybody was older, so they would, they would help me understand the other things that I needed to know. So I would say one of the hurdles was life experience. Going into journalism with no life ex- real life experience is really hard because when you're interviewing somebody that's older than you and you're talking about, oh, how's your kid? I don't have a kid right now, but I, I see my friends. When you know what's going bye, on, bye, you bye. can ask more in-depth questions. But um, it, it was really hard when I was 17, but it really prepared me for... Um, LUCAM and LUCAM was literally easy for me compared to LACETA. It was it was a joke. I had fun in Montreal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was fun times in It Montreal. was fun times. So
0: the hurdles, I would say, to get into a program when you're so young and to to explain to somebody that's 26... That you know you're as competent than them and as driven because you're like, you're you're we're six years apart. You don't understand that. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. And at that time, La Cité would give your camera, would say, Okay, today there's a news on the newspaper. Um, I want you to cover on Parliament Hill. So we had to go on Parliament Hill and cover the story. Yeah. And that made me like work on my self-esteem, it wasn't time to be like, oh, mes cheveux sont pas beaux, or, <laughs> you know, je suis noir, or, you know, I had to do it, because right, it right, was right. my grades, you know, that, right. that was, uh, so, I would say, like, self-esteem was more, um, about, you know, the way I felt about my body, the way I look, um, and being young, amongst, among a, a group of, elderly people well older older <laughs> pe- people older <laughs> people because there was like there was a guy that was 56 he was he was studying to be a journalist that's that was his dream so it was like a world apart you know and um my what changed everything again is that right after i graduated from leste i got my first big break um i got chosen to be in a program in russia so i left um I graduated June 4th or 5th, and I was in a plane to go to Toronto with 16 other Canadians to go to Russia.
1: Were you, again, the only black person?
0: Only the only black person. (laughs) However, our team leader was half black and half Greek. Uh, She looked Arab, but her role was to protect me. (laughs) 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 Because my parents were like shitting bricks, literally. And that was by far um, the best experience. Meaning, I had to grow up because being in a being in a communist, the, it, it was it, it was in transition. Yeah. Um, you realize how you depend from other people because in the region where I was, it, it's called St Petersburg. Um, they have never seen a black person we came we came to russia from warsaw and i don't know if people know that from warsaw you go to russia and any we any f- russian experts here <laughs> <laughs> no, no nobody and <laughs> and uh and in russia there's a lot of africans but they're men usually mm. they're they're sent from africa to 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 come and have businesses and everything but very few ladies and uh, when i went there i was like oh my god what did i what did i sign up to and it was it was i i didn't know nothing no word from you know i knew that and yet and i had the best host family and i had brought them the film of um my God, I forgot the movie with uh, Whoopi Whoopi Goldberg, the one she won an uh, Academy Award. Oh, Ghost. No, the, again. Where? Oh, uh, Color Purple. Color Purple. So I I brought that movie. For some reason that's a child i know i know but that movie is rough girl i know but they had to know, they had to know but you know what i brought that movie and it was funny because they put you to they they join you with a family that wants either girls or boys and i was with my counterpart was a girl and her name is fieta and uh, we had a lot of in common on paper but when we actually met it, it wasn't too it wasn't easy and uh we my host family wanted boys because they had a farm they had a potato farm and they had a kalbasa. it's like mm-hmm. because they eat a lot of it and the yeah. host father came and it was so weird they were it wasn't really well organized so they were picking the people they wanted so, <laughs> so. were you the last one picked <laughs> no i was the first one picked. she's like black girl (laughs) exactly so sasha was 14. yeah He's like oh my god her and the father's like no and i'm like what the hell is going on i feel like a slave it was the weirdest thing anyways but i'm so glad they picked me they were the best family for me they were very similar to my family um they had the same values. They were hardworking. Russians are hardworking people, straight up. And they gave me work ethics. They wanted boys, but I'm a big girl, so they're like uh, We're gonna make you work. They're gonna make you work. So every day I had to pick, and this is funny because I'm born in Canada, but you know when your parents tell you they were they walk 45 minutes to go to school? Well, I experienced that in Russia <laughs> at 19. So every morning I had to pick up I had to wake up at five o'clock, go in their backyard, pick up potatoes, a hundred potatoes and go to the market and exchange half of half of them to get either potato, uh, not potatoes, but tomatoes, other uh, other vegetable, because that's how the community survived. And I was like, wow, it's a great experience. And I had to walk 45, that part I didn't like, (laughs) Uh, 45 minutes every day, like going back and forth and also because the country was in transition and as you know in russia there there is a problem of alcoholism and um i would say alcohol is less expensive than than water so there was the two extreme and i had my host family was like you never drink vodka at people's house because people do their own vodka and it can and be sp- super strong super right? strong they, it could knock you up <laughs> so um because i was a black female and my our bodies are different from <laughs> russian <laughs> women there was a lot of like like people were looking at me all the time and w- the region where i was it was near the baltic sea and i did synchronized swimming for 10 years and whenever I would go to the to the Baltic Sea, people would come just to look at me. It was just like, oh, my God. You but, were so meant to be
1: in media. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's every little part of your story is like people were hurting yeah. around you and just looking at you. So you were just totally meant for this.
0: Well, you know what? It made me understand why people are so, um, when they see people that are different, we have the possibility of either educating them or... Uh, like I became like kind of an ambassador of bl- all black people for a small town of 500, five um, hundred five thousand, the cinq cents habitants, you know? and and I found like I was like oh my god at one point there was too many too much scrutiny like I wanted to be back home and and I was like oh my god like there's so many black people in the world why why me. And I remember one day I needed to do my perm. Okay. And this is true story. Like, and my host family was rich enough, but not rich enough to have hot running water and to take the perm out. Like, you know, you put the perm and you put, you know, you needed hot water, warm water to take it out. So to get hot water, I had to ask my host father, can you, can I have hot water on that day? Because they needed to cut wood uh, Boil it And make it go through the system This is oh, I know Just for a paramount. <laughs> <laughs> and they told me to wait On Sunday Because that's when Everybody has their bath On that day And I'm like oh, Hell no I'm gonna wait My edges are curling
1: You know My edges are curling Exactly
0: <laughs> And I was like, shoot, I'm not going to wait. And I had boiled water and, you know, whatever, but everybody went wrong, like horribly wrong. And my host mother, Nina, not a word of English. She's like, oh my God, she's going crazy. <laughs> and she's like, what the hell are you doing to your <laughs> hair? And and I w- I was trying to explain, and this is where communication is key. It's not necessarily a language uh, a language barrier but the fact that i didn't explain why i needed the water created like they saw something white on my hair they thought it was a disease they <laughs> thought it was something like they had it was like it was so weird and i and and when we sat down and explained it and that's when i realized you need to communicate all the time and the way i communicated with inina who had zero english because my host brother and my host um father and I, I I call them like that because they are family now Um need I needed to talk to her she's the mother so I did I, I started I, I started drawing how my hair is when I don't have the perm <laughs> and when exactly and she understood because she likes to look cute you know so it was such an experience and communication became really important <laughs> to me at that point and also because of security, in my case, because there was so much scrutiny, I got attacked a lot. And yes, because I'm a girl, I'm 19, young, and, you know, people do drink alcohol, and people want to get to know you, touch you, and stuff. So I had to say at all time where I was. And there was no cell phone. We're talking 1997. It's exactly 20 years that I've been there, and... That's when I realized my god we we always need somebody to protect us and that family protected me like their own kid. The first time I got attacked it was the first day that my mother called me. It took 6 weeks for my mother to get the code with Ingrid to get to Slav Square. That, that because it wasn't like there was no computers at the time like we couldn't got, get the information not as quickly. I was about
1: to ask your age, but then something told yeah, me. Yeah, like,
0: I'm going to be 40. Okay.
1: <laughs> I um, was like, I don't know if she's going to answer or slap me.
0: No, 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 no. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I, I got to own it. But this said, it was um, it Russia made me understand how we have to collaborate. We were 16 Canadians, we were all going through different things. I remember one guy left his girlfriend um, with a baby in the womb. He was 20 and I'm like, what the hell are you doing with in that program? He's like, I want to better my situation. So we were 16 Canadians from different parts of Canada with different backgrounds, different, but we had to work together all the time with Russian counterparts at work, at home. Communication is key collaborating and also understanding each other and when i came back i came back another person
1: because of the life experience
0: within six months i completely changed so it was such a big change that i needed to change from ottawa like i had to leave ottawa because i felt people were so um they didn't know what they had yeah you had a great job and you're still complaining you know some people, like i came from a place that people was you they were using paper newspaper to wipe off their ass so when you would go to the beaches you would see black asses because of the age. <laughs> and i was like what the hell is that but uh, like we are so rich that we complain for for like to have more so when i came back i was i just wanted i was in a different um headspace and I decided to apply to different university, but that, nothing here. I didn't want to be in Ottawa, and, and I remember LUCAM, and that's where it went.
1: So now you are, let's fast forward again, <laughs> fast forward, <yes. laughs> now you are the chair of RAF. What's this, what is RAF?
0: RAF, my mother created this um, organization for uh, women. Because at one point I was like, well, you finished to raise us. What are you going to do with your time? You're going to retire soon. And she's like, oh, you know what? I want to do this thing. And uh, I helped her out. And the first meeting, there was like 100, I think almost 200 women that came to that event. And I was like, okay, she's on something. And um, Raf has been... Um, so what,
1: first of all, what does RAF mean? Oh, what RAF means,
0: And uh, Creole, is. it, it was more, say regroupement à faire femme, but it's really a term in Creole, à femme. Okay. And we didn't want to change it. We did change, um, we did a launch here last week. Um, and RAF has grown to be more mature. And over the years, we've noticed that... Um, a lot of black women don't see themselves not only in media, but in other discipline, And they want mentors. They want to see excellence. They want to see other women striving in their field. And I find because I I know a few people here and there that I could be that connector okay. and other of my friends could be a connector. So we decided that we're going to, the mandate initially was to improve um, women's health, uh, so their family could be stronger. But we changed. We went through this whole change with the whole group. We had we have a new uh, board of directors, and also uh, members. And we decided like we wanna focus on Black excellence for women, um, mostly in the French community because we don't see them like everybody's like saying but there's not a lot of people like you i'm like there's plenty of people like me they just don't have that exposure or um platform platform you you got that word and by being a host and also by by also creating my platform because that's what i did with bell media um i i've noticed that when they find they they find one person they're like, oh, my God, we found one black person. But when I bring other black people, like whether or black people or ethnic people, they're like, oh, my God, there's there's a lot of people doing great things in the community. And after they just hired them for other things, I was lucky enough with Bell. And we're going to go back to Raf. But with Bell, what happened is that in a very weird moment in my life, Bell called me and offered me a, uh, my own show. When I least expected it, and I said no because I'm like, you, it's not that, it's not a good time right now in my life. And they came back. And now, what I find is like the same person that gave me my job are giving jobs to other black people that I brought in my show because they saw the excellence. Mm -hmm. And that's empowering to me. And to bring it back to Raf, we've been doing a gala every year where we honor Francophone black women. And people love that gala. Last year we had Mathieu Fleury, which is a counselor. Mona Fortier that represents the Dorothée Roux, from um, Roux from uh, that's a that's a comedian from Montreal. Um, people were like, "Oh my God, Ottawa has a lot." It was a a lot an top. excellent gala. Yeah, had, oh yo, yes, yeah. Yeah, I did. had the opportunity um, yeah. to
1: attend. It was an amazing gala.
0: And I was like, "We've been doing this for the past ten years." But there was something magical that night. And people finally, I think a lot of people really realize that we have excellence around us, but they don't open their eyes or people don't want to showcase what they do well. And this said, uh, this year, the gala is going to be even bigger. We have huge sponsors. We have great people that decided to take part in it and hopefully if you know great women in the community, submit their names because we wanna to get to know them, we wanna showcase them. Um, for me, what's really important for Raf as the chair is to see my sister shine. I like to see like other people that could experience what I what I've experienced like this this weekend, this Monday I met Michelle Obama. I went bunkers um, you know and and because of Sophie Grégoire Trudeau that I had a chance to interview she's like I'm gonna make you meet that girl and I'm like okay and literally like she handpicked me she's like oh are you gonna be in Toronto I know there she knew about the gala the prime minister you're talking about
1: Sophie Grégoire the prime minister's wife yes
0: okay. I've interviewed her <laughs> for my show for Bell Media because also she worked for Bell Media um, um, I had to host um the Prime Minister's Award two years ago, after they found out that I had the Nelson Mandela Award, and they love my speech. Sophie Rigoire Trudeau saw my speech. I don't know how she actually. She told me. I just don't remember because I was literally lost. But she heard my um, my speech when I heard when I won the Nelson Mandela Mandela Award, and I was telling the story of Haiti, the story of um, being African fl- slave the story of us from Haiti to Canada and and being French in Ottawa. So she was like, wow, okay. And even the Nelson Mandela family's like, can we have the copy of your speech? And I'm like, and I had like literally like lots of notes on it. But she liked it so much. She's like, whenever you want to interview me, just let me know. And gave me the number of her, of her attaché de presse. And I did an interview with her, and she's like, you're going to go far. I'm going to help you. And she's like, what would be your dream? I'm like, I'd like to meet Michelle Obama. And she found out that I I was receiving the prize. I didn't even know I was nominated. Monday, I didn't know that I was going to win the prize. I received a call um, in my hotel room. She's like, somebody wants to meet you. You've been handpicked with other people that are nominees to go in this room in the shirt. And I'm like, okay, let me go. No. And she walks in. I'm like, oh, Sophie, you're already happy. It's Sophie. And after I'm like, she's like, we have a surprise for you. And I'm like, I know Michelle Obama was coming to give a speech on the Wednesday, on the Tuesday. um, But I was like, no, it can't be. It would be a lot of security and stuff. But they had asked us to, they took all our cell phones. So I was like, maybe. And she just walked in. And she's like, sister, I like your dress. And I was like, oh my, God. I was, I was just laughing, you know, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I didn't know what to do, but it, it was a great moment because those are the, sometimes, and, and, and one of the hurdles that I'm going through right now is that I've been doing so much and I sacrificed and I, I said it last week. I sacrifice i put a, uh, i put aside having a family and a stable relationship just to be really successful in my craft and now i'm hit, i'm i'm going to be 40 at the end of the the month and i'm like i didn't do nothing of my life and my friends are like what and as a woman we know we have a limited time frame and and I'm, I'm struggling with it. Like, I do win a lot of awards, but it, it came with a lot of sacrifices. When everybody was clubbing, I was writing. Like, I had fun, don't get me wrong. But I'm having fun more as a wiser and older person because I really want to make sure that I, I was good at my craft and I was... Um, You know, when you have a chance like this, this weekend, I'm going to share with people. I had a I had an interview for a huge network while I was in Toronto. I was so tired, so tired. And I was like, oh, my God, if I they asked me on the job interview, if you have this job, it will change. Do you think it will change your life? And I was like, I think I was really out of it because I said it will change your life.
1: I'm happy you said that because sometimes even when we're we're going through our journey, mm-hmm. we want success now. We want the big stuff now. Oh, yeah. But we have to be prepared for that. We have to go through a journey. We have to go through the ups and downs and the yes and the no's and the rejection f- to prepare us for the greater works, right? That's ahead of us. So, my gosh, your story is just amazing.
0: The no's, and it's funny, and I will, I will point that out. The no's will prepare you. For the big yes and I want to share one thing with you guys my friend know noticed that they know that story I would I was diagnosed in 2014 with 14 fibroids at that time they knew it was only eight fibroids or a huge mass that grows around your uterus or inside your uterus that could make you fertile and and hits about 90 percent black women and Asian people and I was for the past probably two or three years, um, every every time of the month, I would use like a great amount of blood to the point that um, in after Canada Day um, in 2014, I found myself at Montfort Hospital and they're like, you have fibroids and you need eight um, unit of blood and i'm like hell no (laughs) (laughs) and they're like well if you don't have those units you're gonna die so i started thinking about my life i don't have kids i don't and i knew it was like huge because eight units every time they give you blood they have to give you an injection to push out the water and other toxin that could like that could have an effect with your own blood and it took a whole other year for me to be to have my uh, level enough blood in my system to be able to go through the the surgery that whole year i was still sick and losing blood but i was still doing my community stuff and people didn't know i was sick people were like oh my god some people were jealous on social media and i'm like if you knew wow. if you knew what I, I was going i would gladly give my place Take my place if you want to, but I already had those engagement, and I was looking at this T-shirt that says "Pushed Through." I think um, yes. keep calm and yeah,
1: something
0: exactly. I remember when I got my surgery. It was July sixth, June sixteenth, two thousand sixteen. So it's not too long ago, to thousand fifteen, and. Um, uh, I felt so good. I was like, I felt the difference. And uh, I felt like I had a second chance of life. And I'm like, okay, from now on, I'm going to date more. I'm going to put aside my stuff, my, my, you know, media stuff. And a month, literally a month after, Bell Media calls me. That's a lot I'm, of work. Exactly. <laughs> I was I'm expecting my, to date. <laughs> exactly. 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 And it turns out that within 24 hours, I had the idea for Suivez Moi wrote it down pitch it he's like i love it pitch it to toronto they love it to like we'd like to do it in english um he's like do you want to do it i'm like no hell no we're doing in french and um we shot the show and he worked around because i i I was stapled that way they cut me instead of cutting me like that because i had so many fibroids they were like up up here they had to cut me so he worked around so we did three shows in one day the the day i felt like there was one week i felt good i'm like can we do it friday so we did three shows because you always have to have a pilot and i remember like not having a stylist not like the show, when the show is around you, and this is the, the beauty. So all the people that I met through my life to do my makeup, to do everything, I call them. I'm like, this is the shot. We need to do a pilot that needs to be approved. And if it's approved, all of you guys have a job. Wow. That means I'm bringing all my friends. <laughs> and I remember they were so happy. to like, all your crazy ideas are going to come together. And it didn't take a lot of convincing because they knew my work ethic right. and I knew their work ethic. And that's one thing I'd like to share. When you see your friend is gifted in that area, push them. That's right, support. Because you never know when you're going to need them. When opportunities come like that, you want somebody you trust immediately. Not to try to convince them to say, you know what, I'm good. You need somebody... That really that, believes in that you That believes are ready. you're ready. So what was great about it it took half a day called the girl that does my hair usually the girl that does my my makeup and and i had this event just in between and i was looking for somebody to do the decoration so i like to go big i'm like glam glam like you know and and i and um barbara that was a tv host for um rogers here and now is at cbc um told me she's like there's a new spot that opened up called the breather and it's a nice spot but you'll have to jazz it up because it's plain when i saw it i was like this is great because one thing now when you want to do your show they want to have the whole branding like everything around you so you need to be on point know your vision and and be able to Prepare. exactly and i was like okay i didn't have a decorator and it turned out that I went to an event just like that one for women. And um, and uh, at the end, you're like, uh, uh, does somebody need prayer or, or wanna uh, Once you say something, it's like, well, I'm looking for a job. I'm a decorator. I'm amazing. And everything turns out I called that girl and she's been doing my show for three years. She's been doing CTV morning morning live. She's a black girl, St. Lucian girl. She doesn't know nothing about french all she knew she's like i'm gonna make you look good literally i met her 48 24 hours before the first show when i saw the set of my show i cried i had makeup i cried she did such an amazing job within 24 hours and we've been working together ever since her name is uh, flora francis she is a dope decorator like my show um i shoot all my show in one week i do 15 shows in one week three a day and and we we kind of spread it out through the year like um but flora is a dope decorator if you want something done wedding whatever go check her out and just Google my show, Sri Benoit, you'll you'll see. It's crazy. So let's talk about faith. <laughs> faith, yes. yes.
1: Let's talk about faith. Yes, that's what we're here for. Yes, so first question. What do you think is your God-given purpose? Um, I think short sh- <laughs> short answer, Sabine. Short answer? Short answer, I think I'm Sabine. a
0: connector. Um, and uh, my gift is basically finding a, a, let's just say there's two people, and they need to talk to each other but they don't know each other I could do that connection um my other gift I think I'm very creative I I creative like to do tv stuff I have ideas all the time too much (laughs) so I wish I had the money to do it (laughs) but um yeah like my my next goal would be to have a sitcom with black people and and I'm working hard with my girlfriend that's a actress. She's from Ottawa as well. She works in Toronto and around the world. But we're working on it. That's awesome.
1: Yes. Other question. How does your faith in God impact you when it comes to your leadership and your community work?
0: I put God first. I find every time I doubt myself, it's because I'm 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 going away from him. And I'm I'm not thinking of him first. When I put him first, that's when things align themselves. Um, I find we live in a society where we want everything fast, right. me included. Um, sometimes, most of the time, the journey is necessary to to make you go to the next level. Because when you don't go through the journey, or and and you have instant success, the downfall is even greater. greater. Exactly. So, I think my fate, it's funny, I'm born uh, with a family that's very um, Catholic and in 2014 after they removed the fibroids um, because I was so sick, I said, God, you have to save me. I don't know what was going on. I didn't know what, what was happening and I didn't know I had fibroids. I said, if you, if you you let me live because i knew i was dying i was changing color and um i will je vais me rebaptiser i i had started going to another church and i felt like it was home but i didn't want to go through that i didn't want to give myself to god <laughs> and i said if we find out what's what's wrong with me i'll do it and when when that happened I think the next Sunday I gave my life to God wow. and my parents were against it. They're like, what? You're already baptized and da, da, da. But that was my journey. <laughs> yeah, I know. A lot of people don't know. It was funny because it, it, it's, I think a relationship with God is so, individual, it's so personal. That when I, when I was going through the journey, I've always been surrounded with my, my girlfriends all always went to, to church and I was like, you know, God is in your heart, you know, but I realized that I was blessed because he always protected me. And that was the only thing to do, you know, to, to give yourself. Right. Are you crying? No. Yes. <laughs> Don't cry. But, um, yeah. And, you know like you know learning learning to put god first is is um a daily like i start my day praying in my bed every day because i'm actually fulfilling my dream in a bigger way you know um all the sacrifices that my parents did i find like when when my sister and my mother were there with the prime minister's award this monday it was like, God, who would have thought we'd be there, yeah. you know? And I always remember the fact that they didn't have the money to go to Quebec City, and now we're in Toronto. Wow, and Another award <laughs> <laughs> for the Prime Minister's exactly, Award. Yeah, exactly. So we all have a gift, and I find when you share it with the world, that's when things happen. And I remember when I was 14, people would see me at Rogers. They're like, oh, what is she doing at Rogers? What is she doing at? Um, she's doing at Rogers. She's not pretty. She's not this. And it came from my own community. You're okay.
1: No, you know, you <laughs> know when you have a tear? Yeah. And then the makeup gets in your ass. Uh. <laughs> it's burning people. It's yeah. Burning.
0: Okay. <laughs> Take care of it, girl. Yeah. Take care of it.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but um,
0: yeah, you have to share your gift because I find so many people are hiding they're not sharing their gift and that's why i love social media i'm I'm always on social media unfortunately but i like to showcase other people that have like i find i have a platform and i use it to showcase other women
1: and that like i could testify to that like <laughs> you you really showcase other people you always supporting other people and always willing to can like you said connect connect all the yeah
0: time. because i'm like they just don't know. Sometimes it's a question of, like, they don't know this person could help you. Yeah. And it just, I find people were helping me all the time. That's the least I could do. Yeah. And if we don't help each other, trust me, other people are not going to help us. Yeah. So you have, a, it, it's a, you got to give to receive. And you're going to receive from a person you don't even expect. Expect to, that's so exactly. true. Exactly.
1: So so my, like, my last big question. Big question. If you had the opportunity.
0: <gasps> oh, my God. To have a family. (laughs) It sounds so uh, like I shared that last week. Um, Being in the community and doing... People find it glamorous and everything, but it's a lot of work.
1: A lot of compromise.
0: A lot of compromise, you know, and, uh, and also a lot of discipline. And I'll give you one. My Sundays, I go to church and after I cook for the whole week to make sure that I'm not eating out to make sure that, you know, I don't feel bad at the end of the week. That's discipline. People don't know that I do that, my friends and everything. I have to like I ask people to send me um meeting requests so I could have it in my agenda. It I sounds know. stupid, but or that's, even phone calls. <laughs> phone, <even laughs> phone calls.
1: I be, get a phone I get a, a text it's like <laughs> phone call at eleven o'clock. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a and scheduled so, phone call. It's I have to be that disciplined to have the level of success that I expect myself to have because I will tell you one thing when you're stepping in as the only black person in whatever field they don't expect greatness so you gotta you you gotta step up to the plate and and not just go bold because that's the way we have to do it so um yeah, I have to book everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and right now, um, I'm turning 40 at the end of the, the year. And uh, that's what I want. I've been working on it. There's huge decision um, to be made this year. And that's what I want. It sounds so simple. Some people have families. And for me, it was always something that I knew I was going to plan because uh, you know you have to sacrifice to to be there and i think you know i've done a lot and i think i could leave mm. comfortably knowing that i've done a lot yeah. and create that family because all those accolades and award won't really give me what i really want i want that family and stuff so this is what um you know there is decision of <laughs> of i've, I've, I've Taken that decision and I'm leaping into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. awesome. Yes. All
1: right, so let's go into our final question. There are funny lightning questions. Yes. Okay, so going to the movies or Netflix? Going to the
0: movies. Really? Yes. People still do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I find you can do Netflix from wherever. Like, we get too comfortable, you know? And. I think, uh, you know, it's it's fun to just, like, hang out, go out, and, and just sit down. And also, you know, when you're a creator... Yeah, you, you want to get out. No, it's not that, like, I'll give you... When you're a creator, you need people to support your art. Oh, I see. Netflix, yes, your $10 is paying for a whole bunch of access, but you're not supporting that person. And I'm saying that because... A lot of black people are, are are trying to create web series, movies, and everything. If we don't support each other, they cannot survive. So my crew of girls, whenever there's a black movie, we go out. We Even if we don't like it, because that $10 will ensure they continue to make money. Other black people could make movies, and one day our kids could say, I want to be a Hollywood star, and... Eat from their, their craft. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Soup or oatmeal?
0: Oatmeal. Okay. Quick yeah. and good. Oatmeal is very nutritious and it keeps you full. <laughs> I eat it almost every time. <laughs> mean, that's now. right. Yeah. Yeah. Texting or talking? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Both. <laughs> Depends who. If it's my man, talking, texting... It's definitely business to keep it quick. So that's awesome. Your childhood nickname? Buna. From my gr- <laughs> <laughs> Buna for like Sabrina, I guess. Okay. My grandmother calls me like that and right now, um, you know, we're we're about to lose her. She's in pa- she's in palliative care and um, you know, she came uh, for for my my birth to Canada and I've grown up with her, so um yeah, it's a... it's nice like, forever. Forever. Ever. <laughs> ever ever. Favorite ice cream flavor? Uh rum and raisin. Ooh. Very Haitian. <laughs> <laughs> I, all Haitian. Yeah, yeah, so
1: <laughs> okay. Waiting to excel or set it off.
0: Set it off. Set it off? Yes. I'm uh I like to set it off <laughs> one. I like being around sisters, like girls and everything. And I find together we could do a lot. And even though like they rob a bank, if you remember, <laughs> they rob it. Well, <laughs> so set it off. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Hip hop or R&B R&B hands down. 80s, 90s, R&B. 90s, <laughs> 90s, 90s. Totally. Your favorite childhood memory? Um,
0: uh, Communion. How do you say that? Communion. Communion. So I grew up in Park X, which is known now as a very uh, poor neighborhood. But for my communion, my mother invited all the Haitian families that she knew. And um, I wanted a piano at the time. People gave so much money that I had not only the piano at the, well, not like they were able to buy the piano and have, um, I have classes for a whole year that was paid off with the money that was given. And that I remember, like I felt so much love because that's the only thing that I wanted. I wanted to learn piano. And that's when I, I also realized you have to give, you know they're like oh like you know um like I think people saw the yeah, what light she in said me. oh yeah we have to translate <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: she likes to laugh she likes to play yeah, yeah
0: and I find that because they felt like I brought light to them and a like a very young age I was just very a happy child that they just wanted to make me happy so I find. I like making other people happy and my community happy. It is something that's really important to me. Um, and when I talk about community, it's mostly Black French community, just because we're under look and there's so much talent. I'm like, how do you not know, know those people? Like, you know, that's why I usually I use my platform to bring light to other people that don't necessarily have the platform and give a butt kick to some people that needs that push. Sabine Daniel is a creator. I think. I I like to create um and I want to procreate. Um, and Sabine yeah, is a creator. Everything I've done, I've done it from ground up. I've had help from friends and people that I didn't know. And I hope that I will be able to do something that will change the game for a whole community and when I say community is that my idea it would be like to have something like a black b t so people like if your kid wants to be in communication, he knows he could have an internship with without Going to those big corporations because now, con- like having an internship right now in any network is a competition, yeah. and I see it because I'm I'm on a board and I'm like, my God, they're expecting at 14 that you're already done a like a whole bunch of things on YouTube. If that person didn't have access to a computer, right. you know, people don't like the general population don't think about the barriers, financial barriers, the situation of the parents. Passion is not enough now to make it happen. Before, I find we had that possibility of being creative and stuff. But now, like when you think of it, yes, the internet is great. You've got to have a f- cell phone. But if the parents doesn't have a cell phone or doesn't have that last version of cell phone where you can film and do lives and stuff, it's a barrier. So having a place where people could flourish and test it out, um, whether it's communication, art, or dance, or whatever. We have to create those spaces for people that don't have access to it. And we know a lot of people. Like, we don't need to, far- to look far. We all know somebody that's struggling, that wants to do something, but the money is a barrier. Or the, you know, they have kids. They're, they're. My mother was a single mother for, for since I'm 14. And she went to school. You know, like if we were younger, she wouldn't be able to go to school. So those are all barriers that that keeps our people down. Thank you so much. Abby. Thank you for being oh, yeah. part
1: of our first episode. That was an Yay. awesome interview. Thank you. thank you for sharing your journey, your testimony. Uh, now we know where you're from and now we know where you're going. So thank you. So tell the people where they can find you, where they can find you on the social media platform. So. And
0: you could find me on uh, sabindaniel.com. social media. I'm uh, very active on Facebook, so Sab Daniel or Sabine Daniel as a public figure. But on my Sab Daniel, will have more information. And definitely on IG, um, Instagram, I am Sabine Daniel. Those are the platforms that I use. I do a lot of lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, What's what's and i'd like to say something to um people if you're doing something creative and amazing and you want to be featured um i'd love to have people on my show that are serious about their craft i always like uh, my show on bell i make sure that half of the staff the people that i interview are black or ethnic and the good stuff the good good stuff is that I was able to sell my show to Rogers. Rogers airs my show every Thursday, but it's across Canada. So it's like a bigger platform. So you see, by creating my platform, I'm also helping others having a bigger platform across Canada. All right, but thank you so much, Xavier i hope you guys really
1: enjoyed um the first episode of the naomi podcast um i'm su- like i'm i'm thrilled right now like I there's like an overflow overflow of happiness going on right now because i think we had the opportunity to hear two wonderful people who are doing such amazing work in our city and it's so inspiring and i hope this episode inspires you stay tuned for more so this was the naomi aceland podcast thank you
0: more and more to come on the naomi aceland show check it out on the web naomi